So this week I was on a flight, um, and on my flight back, I, I was scrolling, you know, through the movies um, because I was wasting time, to be honest. Had a few things I could have done, but I was wasting time, and I scrolled through them, and I was like, one, these aren't worth watching, and two, the ones that are, I've already seen. So I went into this other section that was like series, and they had this thing about home building, and I love, I love building things. I love seeing things built. Um, I, I like, we, Tammy and I built a home about seven years ago. I'd do it again today. Like, I just love building things. And, um, and so I was like, I'm fascinated in this. And so there were all these different, like, mountain homes, beach homes. It was like different locations. And so I watched the one on mountain homes. Um, and, and it was fascinating. And one of them in particular, um, there were several, but one of them was somewhere in the mountains of Europe. I don't exactly remember the country, but it was a 10-minute cable car ride to get to it, y'all. Yeah, 10 minute cable car ride to get to it. And so the way they build it is they flew in um, the, the concrete, the bricks and the walls and everything, they flew it in on a helicopter. And so that's how they built this house. But here's what was the most fascinating thing about the house is this, is that if you looked at it from one angle, one camera view and, and the host was talking, it looked like this tiny box. Like it really looked like, I thought, why would you put all this effort into building a box, this was my thought, where you could probably only fit a kitchen table? Like, I was like, you can't even fit a bathroom in this thing. Like, what, what is happening here? But the point of view of the camera moved around a little bit. And when it moved, you could see down the side of the house and it was this really large house. Are y'all with me? And so from one angle, it looked one way. And from another angle, it looked like a completely different house. And so today, what I want to do is I want to take the point of view. I want, to, I want to move your camera, if I could, to the other side of the house. Maybe you've heard it said this way. There's two sides to every coin. Are you following me? Let me, let me give you a little bit of free advice. There are two sides to every story. Don't take the Facebook post at face value. Hello, somebody. Parents, you know there are two sides to every... <laughs> okay, y'all ain't gonna amen me. That's all right. So I wanna take you back to the parable we looked at last week. And last week, I hope that was a helpful message. And I hope maybe you went to the website and download some of the tools to help you in managing your resources. I said last week that I, I believe you moving forward this year doesn't look like you being overwhelmed with financial stress and anxiety. And God doesn't want that for you either. Gave you some tools on that. But if I were to only show you that point of view of the camera, I would be remiss to not move the camera around and show you the other side of that coin. And that is what we find in the parable. I gave you four of the principles of the parable last week. There was one I left off and I'm gonna give it to you today. If you're with me, say amen. All right, Luke chapter 12 in verse 13, the scripture says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, talking about Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And so I told you last week, this was most likely a younger brother because in Jewish culture, the father left the inheritance to the older brother and then the older brother was responsible for divvying it out to the family. Obviously, this older brother was keeping it for himself. Jesus replied, keep me out of your family drama. That's Daniel's translation. Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. We learned this last week. A man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. I said, you are not what you make. Your value is not found in your portfolio. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. We talked about last week, God is our source. The ground produced it, not the rich man. That every good and perfect gift you have has come from God. 
And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. Not a problem. Good strategy. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, basically, look what you've done. You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. He was like, I'm a baller. Look what I've accomplished. But God said, you fool. It's a bad day when God calls you a fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. That sounds really extreme, and then God tells us why. Then you'll get what you've prepared for yourself. And this is how it will be with, come on, everybody shout this next word, with? Come on, one time, every campus, with? Anyone who does what? Who does this? Stores up for himself, but isn't rich towards God. This is the principle I left out last week. Is this is what it would be like with anyone who does what? Who is looking out only for himself, but isn't rich towards God. I wanna talk to you about what it looks like to be rich towards God. If you're a note taker, I wanna talk to you about this, living a generous life, living a generous life. Now, I know some of you, you're already like, I knew it, these big churches, they're all about money. Or you're thinking, pastor, I brought my friend and you're pulling this message out today? Really? We're going here? Like my cheeks are tight? That took a minute. You got it though. You got it. And listen, I just want to say, I don't want anything from you. This isn't the finance team and our board didn't go, hey, pastor, you need to teach on giving. It's not good right now. Actually, it's great to be honest. You're the most generous church that I've ever been around in my life. I just want you to have this. I want you to have what Proverbs says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed and those who help others are helped. I want you to have a large world. I don't want you to live a small life, a small-minded, small world. And the Bible says the way you get there is by being a generous person. And so I wanna talk to you about generosity. So here's my goal. I want to give you some principles, ask you some questions, and then you talk to God about what you're supposed to do. Deal? And, uh, and I'll just say this, if it's not here, that's cool. But I want you to get somewhere where you can live a generous life. If you're like, this sit, this sit in my church, this, that's cool. I want you to get somewhere. Are you with me? This really isn't something that we need from you. I don't mean to be rude. We're doing really well very generous church. We have an amazing board that manages our resources with a whole lot of margin. Are you following me? And, um, but I want you to have a large world and I want you to know there's two sides to the coin. You can manage your resources in the best way ever and still lose at the end of the day because you didn't live a generous life. And God wants both for you. It's both and it's not either or. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. And so what is this, what is this thing about generosity all about? I wanna give you four thoughts around that and then I'm gonna give you three really practical steps, okay? If you're a note taker, write this down. If you're not, write it down. It'll be helpful to you. Number one, it is generosity. It's about order. It's about order. Exodus chapter 13, the Bible says this. God's talking to the nation of Israel. He's brought them out of slavery and he says this to them. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me every firstborn male The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether man or animal. It's about order. Here's what God is teaching them. The firstborn is to be consecrated 
to God. So you're like, does that mean they sacrificed their children? No, they did not. Okay, are you with me? Um, He's saying, in other words, it is to be set apart. It is to be set aside. The word consecrated means to be set apart as holy unto God. Are you with me? And so it's about order. God is saying, I want you to set that apart as holy to me. Now, this was a big deal to them because in this culture, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. Everybody gets uptight when you talk about money. Do you know the Bible talks about money more than heaven and hell combined? More verses about this. So it's a big deal to God. Why? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is, and God's after your heart. I'm always amazed when people are like, God just wants my money. Like you've ever earned enough. Well, my company went public and we sold it. And, uh, and when you did, I'm sure God in heaven went, ooh, wow. <laughs> if only I could get a percentage of that, then heaven, I mean, it would change the game for us up here. I haven't been able to finish that left corner of the street of gold and that, are y'all following me? So, so, if it, so if God's not after printed paper, think about it for a moment, like really think about it, then he's after something more, he's after your heart. And generosity is an identifier of your heart. And so he's after your heart and he's saying, but I wanna be first, it's about order. I don't wanna be last, I don't wanna be in the middle, I don't wanna be second place, and I would propose that God deserves to be first. And so he tells the nation of Israel, now think about it, they're an agricultural society, they're a livestock society, so this is how they they not only earn income, but this is how they provide for their families. And so he's saying, listen, whenever that sheep has that first one, whenever that cow has that first one, I want you to consecrate that, I want you to set that apart as unto me. God didn't say after you have 10. After you feel like everything's good and comfortable, then consecrate that to me. No, why? Because it was an act of faith to go, God, before I know if this one will produce another one or not, I'm gonna trust you and bring this to you and honor you with this. It is about order. God is a God of order. God does not bless chaos. And some of you, the financial struggle you have isn't that you're not earning enough, it's what you're doing with what you're earning. And so you, you live with this anxiety and this pressure and this angst because you've never put God first in the area of your resources. And again, if it's not here, that's cool. I just want you to get your life in order. So here's the question that I want you to wrestle with and only you can answer it. Number one is this, is God first? If someone were to look at how you use your resources, would it be evident to them that God's first? Only you can answer that. It's quiet in this Methodist church today. <laughs> Some of you are like, you're a Methodist? No, we're not. Just, it's a joke. We're not any denomination. We're the denomination of the non-denomination. Anyways, it's, <laughs> all that's crazy to me. Number two, it's about value. So it's not only about order, it's about value. On down in the same chapter, Exodus 13, The Bible says this, after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and to you and your forefathers. So so that's that's the, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, that's where um, God made the promise uh, and Moses is leading them out. He doesn't get to take them in, but Joshua gets to take them in. And he says, after God's done that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. Now listen to this. All the firstborn, if we missed that, the first offspring, again, the first 
firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Now, this is where it may get a little bit weird. I'll explain it to you. It says, but redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. So either way, you've got to give up and redeem every firstborn among your sons. So he's talking about the first belongs to God and, and to bring your first. And, and then he goes into the, the sacrificial system. If you're with me, say amen. I want you to see this. He goes into the sacrificial system and says, all right, a donkey was considered an unclean animal and that animal could not be sacrificed to God. So whenever the donkey had a firstborn, you're like, I came to church to learn about donkeys. And so whenever the donkey had a firstborn, something else had to be sacrificed to redeem this unclean animal. Are you following me? And so he says, if you're unwilling to redeem the unclean animal, then you've got to break the neck of the donkey because either way, the first is coming to me. Are y'all with me? This is a foreshadowing and a picture, not only of the generosity he wants from us, but the picture of what Jesus did. You and I were the unclean animal. We had no hope. So the clean came, the person of Jesus. He died on the cross to redeem you and me. Come on, you ought to clap your hands for that. The Bible is fascinating. You should read it. So here's what God is saying. Not only is it about order, but it's about value. Not only do I want your first, but I want your best. And I would propose he deserves your best. That he's worthy of your best. Can I just, can I put it in plain terms? Your best shouldn't go to your mortgage company. Are y'all with me? Your best shouldn't go to GMC. Your best shouldn't go to the mall. I'm not saying all that is bad. None of that is bad. Are y'all with me? It's amoral. It's not moral immoral. It's what you do with it. But it's, it shouldn't have your, God should have your first and your best. What you're saying is, God, I understand what you've done for me. I understand that you brought me out. I understand that when I was unclean and had no way of cleaning my life up, that you sent the perfect lamb of God to be sacrificed on my behalf, that my filthiness may become righteousness in the sight of God. And so because of that, I'm gonna bring you my first and I'm gonna bring you my best. That's why this thing of generous life matters because it's about order and it is about value. If you're with me, say amen. If we didn't get it from this text and we're a little slow on the uptake, Exodus says this, bring the best of the first fruits. So he's like, I don't even, I don't just want the first. If some of them are spoiled, throw them out. I want the best of the first. And I would say God deserves it. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God, if, if that didn't hit us right, then Proverbs says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the, everybody shout it with me, with the first fruits of all your crops. And this is the first time we see there's a promise attached to it. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Some of you are like, the Bible offers us wine? I like this church. <laughs> I'm kidding. Here's what I want you to see though. You don't give to get. Let me say that again. You don't give to get. This, this, this isn't a church where it's like, give God a dollar and he's gonna drop 10 in your pocket tomorrow if you have enough faith. That's bad theology. God owes me nothing. I'm entitled to nothing. 
He's given me more grace. If he only ever saved me and just left me there, that is more grace than I deserve. But he is such a good father that he says, when you're generous, I want to be generous back to you because the world of the generous gets larger. Are y'all following me? World of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So here's the question I want you to ask yourself and only you can answer it is does God get your best or does he get what's left? Does he get your best or does he get what's left? Does, does he get at the first of the month or does he get if we have some left over at the end of the month? Only you know that. Is God first and does he get what's best or does he get what's left? If you're with me, say amen. amen. Number three, so it's about order, it's about value. Number three, it's about obedience. It's about obedience. So what does first and best look like? Well, the Bible tells us in Leviticus 27 verse 30 says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, obviously they were agricultural livestock kind of society, belongs to the Lord. So it belongs to God and it's holy to the Lord. If you've ever heard your campus pastor say, today at the door or online you or text to give, you can return the tithe. We intentionally say return and not give it because you can't return what doesn't belong to you or you can't give, you can only return it. So if you ever borrowed my car, I drive an SUV because I have a lot of children. And it's either that or a minivan and no hate on minivan, just not your boy's vibe. And so no hate, no hate at all. I'm all about it. Those automatic doors, stick your foot out, throw a kid in there, I'm, I'm all for it. Just not my vibe. And, um, but if I were to ever let you borrow my car and, and you brought it back and said, Pastor, my wife and I have been praying about it. We want to give you this SUV. I'd be like, have you lost your mind? You ain't giving me nothing. That's my car. You're returning it. Some of us approach the offering like, God prayed about it. We'll give you a tithe. God's like, you crazy. I gave you the 100%. All I asked you was to give me 10%. Are you following me? So it's a return. It's not a give. But not only does it belong to God, but it's holy to God. So what is the tithe? The tithe isn't some, you know, deep theological word. It's, it's a mathematical term, which means a tenth. One-tenth, 10%. So if, if you have $100, it is... Okay, some of y'all are like, I ain't, I ain't going there. I was not good in math. All right, it's 10%. Malachi says it like this, says, will a man rob God? That sounds like strong language. And he says, yet you robbed me, talking to the nation of Israel. And they ask, how do we rob you? And he said, in tithes and offerings. I, I want you to understand something. I, that those are two different things. And, and they seem like semantics because maybe if you grew up in church, they would say it's time for the offering or we'll take in the offering. But it really isn't. It's, it's time to return the tithe. And then you, the offering is above that. So I haven't given an offering till I've reached the point of the tithe. Does that make sense? And, and so tithes and offerings. And he says, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. In other words, what God is saying is that he said, here's the place of blessing. I want you to understand this because you're like, wow, God's cursing them because they're not tithing. No, no, no. They are under the curse. So you have a choice. Um, I taught this one time, probably a decade ago, and I held an umbrella up. So if you can just picture an umbrella. You have a choice. The Bible says, God says to the nation of Israel once, he says, he says, blessing and cursings, today you choose. Yeah. 
In other words, you can live in either one. So you can live under the umbrella of God's blessing or you can step out from under that. God didn't force you there. You chose that. And anything outside of God's way is a cursed way. It's not that God looked at them. Are y'all following? Are you getting this? It's not that God looked at them and said, they're not tithing, I'm cursing them. No, he said, they made the choice to step out from under order. They made the choice to step out from under value. They made the choice to step out from under obedience. And there are consequences of that. Just like if I jump off of a building, there's consequences called gravity. Are you with me? God doesn't look up there and go, I'm gonna make him splat. No, he says, you chose to try to defy gravity and you don't defy the laws of God. This is a law of God that you can try to defy it, but if you do, it'll always not work out in your favor. Are y'all following me? I want you to understand this. He says, so bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse, what is that? It's, it's the house of God. It's the, it's for today, it's the local church. It would have been the temple in that day. Are you following me? And he says, bring the whole tithe. I have people that are like, well, pastor, I give 5% to the church and 2% there. And, and, and that's, I'm glad you're generous, but I'm just telling you this promise that God's about to give us is only attached to the whole tithe coming to the storehouse. If you wanna give an offering to something over and above, I'm all about a generous life, but I don't want you to be like, well, I, I, I kind of give in all these different places and I really don't see God working in that way because God is only committed to his word, not what you think about his word. Are y'all with me? So, so people don't get frustrated with God when, when you don't do it exactly the way God says to do it. He says that there may be food in my house and he says, bring it into the storehouse. So I also say this to you and, and I, think, I thank God for our team here that does this is that I think the local church should live with margin so that you have a storehouse. And I thankful our team did this. So when March, 2020 hit, we didn't have to take up some special offerings to have tractor trailers full of food and, and lines out our parking lots as far as you could see, feeding the needs of the poor. And are y'all with me? Taking care of people and meeting needs and feeding and all the things that, 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 that in that season of crisis that, that we were able to do. I, we, why? Because we, the storehouse had room in the house because of the generosity of our church and, and the, the way our team manages, we were able to, to meet the needs of people. Are you with me? And this is just my little thought on church should be operated that way. There's my rant. God bless you. He says, test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I'll not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you'll not have room for it. He goes on to say this, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields were not cast free. In other words, your crops will last longer and go further because you're under the blessing of the tithe, says the Lord Almighty. Now, you may think I'm crazy. You may already. <laughs> That's fine with me. But I believe wholeheartedly that like this in modern days is, I, I think my hot water heater lasts longer. I don't have to change my tires as often because I'm a tither. Are you with me? Because I'm under the blessing. I think God makes things last longer, go further. Some of you are like, whatever, pastor. Hey. When you have bald tires, I don't. I'm, I'm joking. 
And so uh, I wanna ask you this is, this is the question for you to wrestle with. Are you returning to God what is his? It says it's holy to the Lord, it belongs to the Lord. And once again, I, I just wanna reiterate, if you're like, well, I don't know if I'm gonna just, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna give it a big trip, then do it somewhere. Are you with me? Do somewhere where you see the fruit, where you see God working, where you see lives being changed, people being water baptized, kingdom of God being built and established. I'm biased to this, I'm biased to the fruit of this place. I would say that. Are you with me? Um, I'm biased to the, the wise stewardship of the team of this place, you know, um, and it is a team. I stay out of all that, y'all. When we first started the church, I said, here's thing, one thing I do want to start. I said, I want to be so far away from all the finances. Um, I can't even sign a check here, y'all. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't spend anything if I wanted to. I said, y'all manage it well. I'll preach the gospel. And together we'll see the kingdom established. Are you with me? And so, are you returning to God what is his? Question number four. Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. Principle number four is this. It's about legacy. This is maybe my favorite thought today. It's about legacy. In that same chapter, the next verse in Exodus we read where he said, redeem the donkey, you know, the whole donkey talk. <laughs> Don't put that on Instagram. <laughs> Says this, in days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. This may not mean a lot to you, but let, let, me, let me play this out for you, okay? So this, this, this family, they have a son and every firstborn of the livestock, they're sacrificing every first harvest of grain from the soil, they're giving back to God. And it says, one day your son's gonna get old enough and, and maybe the conversation went like this. Maybe the son came to the dad and said, dad, I've been looking at the books in the family and kind of the ledger of how, you know, we, with everything and, I don't, I don't know if you know it, but you do this really weird thing every time a firstborn is born. Every time we, every time a first crop or harvest is, you do this weird thing and you like, you sacrifice it, dad. And he said, one day your son's gonna come ask you about that. Why do you do that? Why wouldn't we just keep all that? Why, why, why would we give the first? Why would we give it away? Why would we live a generous life? And he said, when he does, I want you to tell him, with a mighty hand, the Lord delivered me. Your generosity is a testimony to the next generation of the faithfulness of God in your life. It's not just about order, although it is. It's not just about value, that God, I want to bring you my best. It's not just about obedience, God, because you've asked me to do this. And maybe you've been around church and you're like, well, I just thought that was an Old Testament principle. Well, if it was, why did Jesus teach us to tithe? Why did the apostle Paul say, give according to the grace that you've been given? That sounds like way more than 10%. Because 100% of my sins have been forgiven. But it's about Legacy. What are you leaving to the next generation? You know what's so sad to me that studies have shown that in the American culture, the more someone makes, the less they give. 
What are you leaving to the next generation? I want one day for my kids to see me text to give, because that's the way I do it. I'm so, I'm so about order, I don't want anything else coming out of the account before my tithe does. I want it to literally be first. So as soon as I get paid, I text to give. I don't wait for Sunday. When they say, Dad, why would you give all that? Why would you give over and above? Why would you bring an offering? Because I got the same testimony with a mighty hand. The mighty hand God delivered me, saved me, and changed me. And why would I not bring him my very best? And why don't I bring him first? Why would I not bring him what he's worthy of? So here's, here's the question I want you to wrestle with. In your life, is your life a testimony of God's faithfulness to the next generation? Parents, what are you teaching your children by how you manage your resources? What are you teaching them about generosity? What are you teaching them about God? Is your life a testimony? Are you building your own kingdom or are you building a legacy? Something that will outlast you and live forever. So let me real quickly in the last few minutes give you three really practical steps. Are you with me? Say amen. Three real practical steps. And step number one is this. Everybody can take a step today. And again, I just want, I want you to hear my heart. If you're like, I, I don't want to be generous here, then find somewhere where you can, all right? Find a church you believe in, you believe in the vision, you trust the leadership, and go all in. But number one, I'm going to say start where you can. Some of you are like, you just taught this whole section on tithing, and now you're saying start where you can. And I'll tell you why, because I've wrestled with this for decades. I've taught this. I know you're, it's like, man, were you teaching since you were five? <laughs> A little older than that. And, I, and I've seen people who have new to faith, new to walking with Jesus, and prior to that, or even they've been walking with Jesus, but just the pressure of life and the comparison and everything we talked about last week have got themselves in such a financial hole that they walk out of messages on generosity feeling more condemned, more weighed down, more like, oh, I'll never be able to reach that. Here's another area that God's disappointed in me with. And so I wanna say, apply everything we learned last week. Get your house in order. But while you do, start somewhere in generosity. Now, I will say, I don't, I don't believe the promises that come with tithing are attached to starting somewhere. I wanna be clear. But I do believe if you draw near to God, God draws near to you. And if he sees your heart is moving in the direction of God, I wanna get to the place of full obedience, but I've gotta get some things in order. So start where you can. For some of you, that's where you gotta be. Don't walk out of here with condemnation. Don't walk out of here like, oh, here's another area where I don't measure up, another area where I don't please God. No, 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 don't walk out that way. Walk out going, I'm gonna begin this journey. And if it's a baby step, I'll take it. If it's a full jump, I'll take it. I wanna call this, I call this your faith building section. 
You're building the faith. You're seeing God work in your life. Are y'all with me? For some of you, you you've been a, you've you've done something, but but you need to take the step to return the tithe. You you need to. That's the step for you. You've never fully trusted God, fully obeyed God in this area, and you're like, I may have to make some adjustments in my budget. Yeah, probably. And I would tr- I would call this this level is is stages house builders. These this is. The next step in the journey, you're on this pathway of generosity, living a generous life, getting a larger and larger, not stingier and smaller and smaller. You're, you're being a part of building the house of God. And then for some of you, you returned the tithe, but God's given you the gift of giving and, and you can give over and above. And you've heard us talk about this. This is what we call kingdom builders. You're like, what is a kingdom builder? Is that like a select class of, no, 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 no. Dear God, no. It's people that self-identify. We don't go look for anybody. They self-identify and say, we believe we have the gift of giving and we wanna give over and above our regular giving to accelerate vision. You know, the church has done a great job throughout the years of creating space for people with the gift of giving and or teaching and hospitality and administration and all these wonderful spiritual gifts. But did you know in that same list of spiritual gifts is the gift of giving? And because we've never talked about it, there's people with the gift of giving set and going, where do I fit? I feel like God's given me the ability to, and so they think that their job isn't holy unto the Lord when it is because God's given you the ability to create wealth, to accelerate the vision of the kingdom of God. And and we think that somehow I gotta get out of the workforce and and spend more time in the church, then I'll be more healthy. No, 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 God's put you in there because you have a way of thinking and a strategic mind and what you do is worship as unto the Lord. So some of you, you need to take that step of, of joining, that's a team, it's a dream team here who just have the gift of giving and they say, I wanna be on that team. I wanna accelerate vision. But wherever you are, I want you to take a step. Take a step. Some of you start where you can. Don't, please, dear God, don't leave out of here with condemnation. Don't leave out of here like, oh, one more area I don't measure up. No, 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 no. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Begin again, begin anew today. Start where you can. Some of you, you've, You've been dipping your toes in. It's time to be obedient with the tithe. Some of you are regular. You're so faithful, so grateful for your faithful tithing. But God's gonna grow a new muscle in you. You have the gift of giving. You enjoy it. You love it. Something comes alive in you. So you need to take a step. Will you pray with me? At every location, everyone joining us online every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to ask God, um, number one, what's he saying to you? Say, God, what are you saying to me? Just right there where you're at. And then question number two is, what are you gonna do with this? What are you gonna do with it? The Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. Don't just come and get goosebumps and some cool verses like, We wanna leave, we wanna do something with it. What is your step of faith today that you need to take? I believe all of us have a step to take. And for some of you, the the step of faith that you have to take today is, has nothing to do with generosity, has to do with surrendering your life to Jesus. 
God's always been after your heart. And some of you have never taken that step. That if you and I were to be able to sit down over coffee and I were to ask you about your relationship with God, if you were honest, you would say, I, I really feel really far from God. I don't know that I have a relationship with God. And I just want you to know that Christianity is not about a religion. It's not about being a member of a church. It's about a personal relationship with a loving God who sent his only son to die on a cross that you and I might have the forgiveness of sin. You know, the Bible says that we've all sinned. That's not a condemning statement. It's the reality of the human condition. And that sin separates us from a loving God. And that's why Jesus came. He came, the clean, to redeem the unclean. He gave his life, the perfect life, so that we could know what it is to have forgiveness of sin. Not just heaven one day, but walking with God today. So if that's you, if you'd say, Pastor, I, I know in my heart I'm far from God. Maybe you would even say, I take the label of a Christian, like my mom was a Christian, my dad, my grandmother, but it's never been real for you. Then today's your day. I believe you. that's why God has you here. And so in just a moment, we're gonna pray together. We pray out loud. We end every service together praying out loud as a church so no one prays alone. But if you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I, I, need, I need a new beginning with God today. I need a fresh start at every location, even online. In just a moment, I'm gonna count to three when I do. I just want you to shoot your hand up high enough and long enough for me or your campus pastor to see. No one's gonna come to you. We would not embarrass you. I promise you that. Just between you and God, but I wanna know who I'm praying with today. If that's you, when I count to three, no one looking around, you just shoot your hand up long enough and high enough for me to see your campus pastor on three. One, two, three, you just shoot it up. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. I see you in the uppers. Awesome. You can put them down. Church, let's pray out loud together for the benefit of those who just slipped their hand up. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those. Beautiful. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.